But if you don't have the ID, there contextual, you can go already really far because you still have all the other hundreds of attributes. Okay, the ID is gone, but you can still leverage everything else. And especially if you combine it with your history of like whatever you have already done with the Bitstream, right? You have a history of understanding. Every mobile marketer knows that scan is challenging. SKI Network on iOS. Only 9% of mobile marketers that we surveyed in a recent webinar said, hey, we've got it working well. One particular problem, of course, is targeting. You don't have IDFAs. You don't have traditional audiences. You don't have the old behavioral targeting options. So you can't say, I want people who play Metaverse Tetris because they might also be interested in my Meta Metaverse Tetris. One of the other options, of course, for targeting is contextual targeting, but how effective can it get? To find out, we're chatting with Remerge CEO, Pan Katsukas. Welcome, Pan. John, it's an honor being here with you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> thank you so much for coming and thank you for having patience. Nobody knows this, but I'm going to reveal it right now. We had such trouble connecting this technology. I mean, what do we know about technology, right? We're just in the industry. Anyways, we are finally here. We're connected. And I'm kind of pumped to have this discussion because it's really critical. Targeting is absolutely essential. I mean, obviously, you need great creative. You need a great experience. You need a great app. Everything needs to work. But if you can't target people who might be interested, well, that's the problem a lot of people are having right now. Let's start here. What does context mean in in-app ads? I mean, we kind of know what it means on the web, the old-fashioned, right? It's the sport fishing magazine or newsletter or something, and I'm putting my ad there because I have, yeah. I don't know, an angling rod or something like that. What's it mean in-app? Yeah. yeah, so context is obviously not something new. So we always have that there. And in the end, it can be any signal or attribute that we know about the current situation of a user. Yeah, the simplest one is what time is it right now? What time of the week is it right now? What type of app are they using, right? The, the publisher, how long have they been using it? So any signals which come by the publisher and the app itself, like the app rating, you can find out the category of the app is that. That gives you some information and understanding like what the user is up to right now, where they're interested, where they're engaging with. And this can be used in order to drive like a good creative to the user to send them there. And ideally so that they are also engaging with, uh, with the ad themselves. And that's like the interest of the advertiser. Yeah. And so that's a little different, right? I mean, in, on the web, you can sort of have something spidering, some content, you know, what that article is about, what that page, what that video is about, you know, you've got some natural language processing, whatever, and you can place an ad there. On mobile, you're saying it's a little different, but you have other signals like time of week, time of day. You know, it's midnight, maybe somebody wants a midnight snack or it's supper time or yeah. morning, maybe they're on their commute. So that has some aspects of what you can get to get relevant. But of course, you also know what the app is you know what category it's in, so that helps. Is there a sense in which you can do contextual targeting that's more relevant to what somebody's doing immediately, more relevant than behavioral targeting might be? Yeah, like, especially 
in areas where the signals are very strong, the contextual signals compared to actually who is the user behind it. And you named a really good example, like food delivery. It's a special case for that, where uh, you try to show ads uh, exactly in the context where the user would then uh, install the app or like uh, order food. Yeah. And uh, for example, they are looking through recipes, so they are hungry, they want to get inspiration. And that's good timing. Also, even uh, when they're looking at uh, entertainment sites, yeah, uh, looking for a new movie they want to watch. So maybe you can also serve that. Why, why not combine it with a really good, nice meal from your neighborhood restaurant? So this is like a very strong context, and that applies to normally everyone out there. So that's, uh, I think, contextual is stronger than if you just focus on one ID or one user specifically. That's quite interesting, actually. Are there verticals that contextual doesn't really work for? Or are there verticals that it, it seems like there's verticals that it's better for, right? Certainly if I'm looking yeah. at recipes, I don't want to do that work. Somebody just make it and send it to me. Awesome. Great. Are there some verticals where it just doesn't work as well? So you have like some verticals, especially when it's super niche, where you really want to target this specific, very small audience. So then you might know already the users or IDs. You have like a group of users and that's where behavioral can get better rather than looking at the 100 attributes and then trying to create like a very small individual segment, which is then maybe a bit more difficult and challenging um, to create. But I think for the majority of Advertisers out there who are like really large advertisers, uh, contextual, you can go quite far already with contextual. Oh. Interesting. And behavioral has its own issues, right? I mean, like, I like the game I'm playing, you know, sure, you've got another similar one, but <laughs> I like this one already. Yeah. So, you know, why am I jumping ship and starting all over again <laughs> and grinding through 50 levels to get halfway decent in your game, right? So there are some challenges there. Talk in general or maybe some specifics, actually, how good can contextual targeting get? Can you relate that to, you know, the IDFA-based targeting? Is it, can it get half mm -hmm. as good? Can it get twice as good? Can it get 75% as good? Where can somebody yeah. make it? Yeah, so I think when you look at, at that, you, exactly like you said, you somehow have to look at the different inventory types. Yeah, when do I have an ID? Usually contextual is already used on top with the ID. Yeah, so you look at exactly all the factors, what's the time, what's the environment, and then you use also the ID information, and then you try to combine it. And then obviously, if you take the ID as a signal out of that, usually contextual can't be that good because it's an important factor which you can take into account on top of that. That's why contextual only, where you what you would do in an ID environment, just like usually is not as good as uh, as a contextually alone. But if you don't have the ID, there contextual, you can go already really far because you still have all the other hundreds of attributes. Okay, the ID is gone, but you can still leverage everything else. And especially if you combine it with your history of like whatever you have already done with the Bitstream, right? You have a history of understanding, okay, what happens in that context? Do I get conversions actually? on this publisher in that uh, at that time in this region 
or is it actually never happening? So you you also have like some history which you can use there. So it, it gets already really strong. And also what you can, especially when you look at this right now at the inventory, when there is no no ID out there, um, it's still, and I looked it up just today, 53% cheaper. Yeah. So, and that's obviously like a, an opportunity for an advertiser to tap into and just figure out, okay, can I get as far with contextual only without an ID while still having the opportunity to bid 53% lower because the inventory is lower as there's not much competition right now. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said, actually, because mm. I would presume that significant publishers and pretty much any publisher at publisher should be doing tests on contextual, pure contextual, to just determine the things that you said to test, hey, how good can I get? How effective can I be? What kind of cohorts do I attract? What kind of users do I attract? Are they different than the, what I used to use for my targeting? That's very interesting. The other thing that you said that's super interesting is, hey, I might only be half as good at targeting, but I am <laughs> paying 50% the price. It's a wash in the end. But one thing I wanted to dive into, you said hundreds of factors, right? Contextual signals. That's interesting. So you've got time, you've got week, day of week, you've got device You've got rough location, I'm guessing, course location. What other kinds of signals are we looking at? So I said you get like a lot of with the bitstream. So when I'm talking programmatically, you see like a lot of other factors, like also Wi-Fi connection, mm. or are they like using cellular? Are they all on the go or not? Or you have also in the bitstream specifically, you know, the price, like floor price, the range for type of information. So you can just like look at the IAB catalog and see all the signals you can have there. And uh, some signals are more important for an environment. Some are not that important. 100 is maybe just like the pure maximum, maybe what is out there and not every one is relevant. But I think like one important point for that, because it's so many and you don't always know it's specifically for an advertiser what's really uh, relevant and what not and what has an impact uh, and what not is also that you can't really get far with the contextual if you all do it manually mm. yeah the case what we have ah let's target everyone at 7 p.m on a friday after work yeah so they will order food so that's an easy example but like if you want to scale that if you want to like be really good it's Nowadays, you can use and leverage machine learning to just like look at all the history, everything what has been done. And even that, for that, like use the ID inventory, try to understand and color like what's working and so on, and try to make connections with the different other signals you see there. And then, yeah, do some models and some trainings. Okay, now remove the ID. What does the algorithm tell you to do in that different environment? So that's the theory, right? And, and it's doable, but also one point, or I think also what you said, what we were discussing about, why is it actually so cheap, the inventory? And the biggest problem is not so much the targeting and yes, it's, it's doable with all the signals, but the measurement is the yeah. issue, right? That's a different field, which we actually are not touching, but obviously it's affecting performance marketing because like, okay, what are you being measured? And uh, that is also like different and that's, but it's still an important factor for the advertisers to understand if it's working absolutely, or not. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, certainly on 
Android, you've still got a GID. On iOS, you're pretty much guaranteed mm -hmm. not to have an IDFA or not to have a usable one because you've got to have it on both sides of the equation. So that is interesting. You've got to rely on scan for your measurement on the iOS side, which has some challenges, but can mm -hmm. be done as well. That brings up an interesting point. Sure, on Android, we do have an ad identifier right now. We know that's going away. We know that's going to be sunsetted. Google has literally said that Privacy Sandbox for Android is definitely coming. It has the Topics API, which should allow some level of behavioral targeting. How do you look at that? How do you see that? Do you see that as useful? Do you see that as fairly limited in its current spec? Let's put it that way. What's your thought? What's your thinking there? Yeah, so obviously the current situation where everything works and with the ID <laughs> it's definitely always easier. Yes. So with that, and I think what where Google's approach is good is that they like they will they have APIs they have like test environments where you can test it and where you can really compare. Okay, am I good enough with the APIs they are offering with the topics API or Fletch. So am I able to just like deliver the same performance or similar performance with that new, with those new tools? And it's not all, always like everything worse because it also gives an opportunity because I think for us, when we are only looking into app only, the biggest advantage what we are also seeing with the Google sandbox is that there should be in the end a seamless bridge between web mm -hmm. and app. So where right now it's like, okay, if we have a technology, usually it's app only, or you have like the big other players, the web players, they do web only. And yes, they say, oh, we also can do app, or we say, oh, we also do mobile. That is like different, yeah? And as soon as you try to, the user switches from one device to the next, it's like a, a huge <laughs> challenge and uh, usually, yeah, exactly. So it's not working. But when you have like a really proper design to have like one clear privacy, like, like good uh, privacy safe environment, it's an environment which works throughout like all browsers, all apps out there. And that means, okay, well, now we can actually see where are the audiences? Are they using like mobile web? Um, and I can seamlessly bring them to the app or even if they are using an app and they there is a form on a website or so, I can also uh, do that seamlessly. So there are some elements which, which help and also like solving some things which are not being done. So that's maybe the positive side, but it will be tough. Like it's, I see it already right now. And if you talk with the, with the different other folks in the industry, it's a huge investment everybody has to do. And we are not like giants like Google or Apple who have like, who can do that easily or who don't even have to do that easily, obviously. But but for us, yeah, we need to catch up somehow to play by the rules and to deliver like similar good experiences for advertisers. Otherwise, yeah, everything is on risk. And so, but Google gives us a little bit of time, yeah? And we'd see they're always delaying it a little bit because it's, yeah, we are not this far again. But they're putting the pressure up, so you don't want to risk your whole no, business. No, but yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. I do like that, that there's going to be one privacy <laughs> model for Android and the web, and that makes a ton of sense. And 
iOS is still its own little kingdom and that's probably not going to change. What is nice in Privacy Sandbox is you do have Fledge, which you mentioned, right? So there is the possibility for okay. privacy-safe retargeting. We don't have that in Scan yet. Hopefully, Apple will create something along the same lines there as well. Let's get back to contextual ads. I want to talk a little bit about it from the user side. The psychology of seeing a contextual ad versus a behaviorally targeted ad, because they're very different things, right? I mean, now, theoretically, as you mentioned, the behaviorally targeted ad that is using an ad ID knows something about your past, knows about something what you did or what you like or what you used in the past but also uses the context of the present. But I'm sure you've seen, and I've seen a ton of ads that they're definitely behaviorally targeted, but they're not related at all to my current environment. And that's a different psychology, isn't it? Yes, like I think behavioral targeting and the why it's so bad, has a bad perception outside because you have like the really bad cases and they are especially I know what you did last summer. You have like a lot of <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like also because you have a lot of ads filling in like the whole article you're reading right now and they are then full with the items you've just purchased yesterday and your partner is like next to you and sees like, "Oh, uh, where do you spend the money again, right? What are you looking at the present for me?" So, and they feel like really naked psychologically it's, this is exactly something privacy-wise. They know they didn't give the consent op, like uh, actively. Uh, maybe they've done, but it was like somehow somewhere hidden, and they don't know where did I put the marker to say yes. And that's what uh, that's I think the worst case. You can be obviously not as intrusive by still understanding like, hey, you like you you were playing a lot of strategy games in the past, so I will show you also similar strategy games which might fit exactly the same setup like how you've been behaved in the past and then they feel, they see it like an like an add-on yeah so it's uh, yeah actually why not it's good or uh, yeah so so it can and i mean in the end also why companies and marketers are doing it is because it converts it works somehow and they look at them at the at the numbers but yeah like the end users, not maybe really something they they like seeing so much. I yeah, mean, and I think there's right, something yeah. comforting in a sense, if an ad can be comforting about contextual targeting. You know, you've got the ad for, I don't know, Free Hero next to the article you're reading on food mm -hmm. or something like that. You get it. You understand yeah. it. It makes sense. It's in context. It's in flow of what you're currently doing. And so there's something that, that fits for that. That makes some sense. Talk a little bit about. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, so, oh, I just wanted to add that. And users know that when they buy a magazine about like the shoes and new sports shoes, obviously they see ads of sports shoes. Yeah. So like, and. And then people, yeah, think like, okay, that's fine. I can expect that. And that's very similar also with contextual ads. And that's like the whole design going forward. It's, it's always like a group of audiences and they are part of that. And they think like that, so mm -hmm. that will be okay. Mm -hmm. They will, they will, won't have the feeling, okay, that's exactly that one item I was looking at yesterday.
That is actually a really interesting point you bring up because, and I understand that that world is foreign to many people today, especially young people, but the world of magazines, there's still a lot of people who do Uh that, but as it was, and as it still is for some people, you'd buy the magazine sometimes. I I don't want to say you bought it as much for the ads as for the content, but you certainly looked at the ads. You certainly enjoyed the ads. You certainly, you know, you bought Architectural Digest and you saw, oh, wow, that's a nice sofa or something like that, right? You know, so- I don't know Correct. that we've achieved that in digital advertising. I really don't know that we've achieved that level of excellence, if I can put it that way, in digital advertising. Look yeah. into your crystal ball a moment. How do you see the future of targeting evolving? Yeah, I think in the case what we were discussing about magazines, that's where we should get right so that it really feels like high quality good environment every ad really fits fits inside but not personalized but really contextual and it's good and uh, people have a feeling it's all like yeah, fitting nicely together so but our, i mean obviously to get there it's quite a challenge and i think what is driving that really much forward is the privacy train just moves forward right there is no stop because because especially Google is is doing that right now. For Apple, it was easier. They're just like rushing. Google coming behind. And a, a lot of legislation. I mean, the legislation in all the different countries with GDPR also, they started that first, right? And that's about like, okay, the platforms, the large platforms can do that a little bit more aggressive and also more technically clear of how privacy should be done. But that's moving forward, and that's also how the um, the ad industry will evolve to just move away from that one-by-one idea, selection, and targeting, and measurement to a more like, yeah, still better than magazines because you can measure. You can they had an offer code. Uh, they had an offer Google, code. Right? Yeah, exactly. So... And uh, I mean, the the point is also was what I said, we are just starting also with the investment. Nobody was investing so much into contextual only or like alternative. Yeah, buying actually the traffic without an ID because you had the challenge. The attribution providers were not measuring that really correctly. So it was anyway filtered out. No, nobody cared so much about that. And, and now it's like there is more and more focus because the majority of will just be without an ID floating around. So, but there are still the users, the valuable users behind that. Yeah? So there will be better technologies, better techniques, techniques and methods. And we start learning to do that, but we are getting better and better. And again, I, I see like, I see then over time, we might in the end be wow. as good as newspapers. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Such an achievement. It is right. interesting when we look at the future of targeting, right? There's a lot to fix. There's a lot to figure out. Privacy, the train is not stopping, as you mentioned. It's just not stopping. I think yeah. with Scan4, I think with Privacy Sandbox for Android, and as those evolve and hopefully iOS adds some sort of retargeting mechanism, we'll see about that. There will be a good future ahead. I think that you're right. Measurement technologies need to evolve, need to adopt some 
whether it's incrementality, whether it's media mix modeling, in addition to some of the more deterministic, even though they're aggregated versions of measurement and have a whole sort of potpourri mix mm -hmm. of measurement methodologies that together you get some sort of level of truthiness that you can say, hey, this is what's happening. I think the next major challenge is micro-targeting in a privacy-safe way. So we know that the big players can do it. We know that the big brands can do it. They've done it for decades. They've literally done it for decades in worse measurement environments than we have right now and worse than we're going to have with as privacy continues to tighten up. But can the small players reach the audience that they need to reach? And I think maybe part of the solution there yeah. is you start to see platforms develop audiences that are internal to what they offer and you can access those audiences but you don't really know a lot about them you're not bringing an audience to them they're saying these people are interested in this and that is very niche to what i want we'll see how that goes i want to thank you for taking the time and taking the hassle <laughs> we had such a challenge getting this set up <laughs> i really appreciate it thanks john it was amazing and uh, let's see Maybe in two, three years, if we connect again, let's see where we are. And uh, yeah, looking if we are as good as the newspapers in the end. I think measurement-wise, we get there. We get even better. So, but placing the ads in the right way, that would Excellent. be... Excellent. Thank you so much. <laughs>